Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My yes. name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here with my co-host and good friend and brother in Christ, Aaron Richards. How Hello, are you doing? everybody. I'm doing great, Dan. And we are blessed here today in studio to be with uh, with our good priest from the Diocese of Spokane, Washington, Father Paul. How are you doing, Father Paul? Good, guys. For Thank you for having me. I've been here uh, for the last week being a chaplain here at... I think the best camp in the world, (laughs) or at least uh, one of the most anointed. God's doing amazing things, and he's raising up young children and young men and women uh, to be the future and the presence of the church. So I'm having a blast. I did paintball. Yeah, yeah. we are in the midst of Catholic Youth Summer Camp here at Damascus, and uh, <laughs> Father has been a chaplain. Father, you were sharing earlier, yeah, that the playing paintball just alivens your priesthood. Oh, it was so much fun. I think <laughs> priests forget to have fun. We're so serious, and we have to do all these big theological things. You know what? Jesus played, and uh, I've got a playful spirit, and I think the best part of being here is I don't think I've laughed this much in a year. <laughs> did you did you change your clerics or did you just not get hit? I finally just submitted to the fact that I'm going to be a mess <laughs> and sweaty and dirty. And I wore shorts, black shorts. I thought, who would ever wear black shorts and a clerical top? Well, yeah. I submitted and did it. How many times did you get hit? I got hit three times, and uh, I wasn't even that dramatic. And anyone who knows me be like, oh, my gosh, you are the most dramatic human p- person in the world. So I'll tell you right now. Actually, you didn't I, cry. I did. I led the charge with the men. <laughs> I said, go. we're going after it. I'm going to throw you, young man, in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll take the bullet really, for you, Father, that's not anything you want. the charge. That's called following the oh, charge. okay, thank you. Wow. Wow. He's, he's really smart, guys. The, the, really the human great. shield technique. The human shield, yeah. And they were proud of it. They only took about 15 hits each. All right, so hey, okay. this is awesome. So we're excited for the show, Father. We're going to open in prayer. Aaron, do you want to yeah, open us? Of course. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for placing in us each uh, a deep desire for missionary life to be poured out. God, we pray that in every yes, whether it's on the paintball field, whether it's in family conversation, whether it's at the workplace, Jesus, that you will, um, that you'll be with us, that you will give us the courage and the strength to say yes, regardless of circumstance. One of the, one of the teachings Mm -hmm. we were talking about this, this summer at camp is that oftentimes when, when God's plan is unknown to us, Mm -hmm. uh, it requires tremendous faith to say yes in the things that only afterward we see we're just such beautiful elements of of an amazing plan he has mm. for our life. So God, we pray for your strength that we'd have the ability to trust and to say yes, even and especially when we don't we don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives, mm-hmm. that opportunity that you have actually called us and you speak to us and you say, yes, open our ears, Lord, so that we have the ability to hear you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Dan, I don't think you opened the show. No, I did not. So this is this is, this show is called Beyond Damascus. It's a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. It yes. carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, if you didn't know that, Father. I did not. Yep, yep. And uh, we're just excited. This show is ultimately about, it's called Beyond Damascus, because what we're interested in is is talking about what happens beyond the Damascus moment, right? The St. Paul had that conversion on the road to Damascus. He saw Jesus Christ. Uh, his, his, His eyes were open to the glory of the gospel, and then he ended up living a life of mission. So encounter always leads to mission. And 
Father, I thought maybe we could just share a little bit about the mission that you have in your life to be a chaplain at the uh, Washington State University, not the easiest place to be on mission, um, and but also the encounter that you've had with the Lord that's gotten you to the place where you're at. So why don't we start with just Washington State, man? What's that like being at WSU? WSU, go Cougs, uh, is a <laughs> Pac-12 university. Um, and um, it's in the Palouse. The Palouse is only about 110 degrees right now. I just got off the phone with my uh, administrator. Nice. Did, you, did you avoid all that? I did. I didn't think I was coming to uh, Ohio to avoid it. Last time I came here, I think I lost about 10 pounds in just sweat. Just sweat. Just oh, yeah. sweat. But, uh, so we pray <laughs> for uh, the people in the Northwest who really are struggling right now, yeah. especially all the seniors. Um, you know, WSU, huh? Is it any different than any other college campus? Not really. I would say that uh, an 18-year-old is an 18-year-old wherever you go. Yeah. They're searching. They're looking. Um, and I think in the end of the day, uh, I think most young people start off college with the desire to be successful. I think all of a sudden then they get on campus, huh? And things begin to define them instead of their original idea of them going out there to um, get a good degree, make good choices, and hopefully... Many of them want to meet um, their their husband or, or wife and, and, and see where that takes them. So I've been there a year. I got there, you guys, uh, a year ago. I remember I came here to check out Damascus. Didn't really know you guys. They just sort of showed up. Who's this guy from the Northwest? And, uh, of course, we were all in COVID. And I just knew immediately when I got down there. I came from another university for six years before that, Eastern Washington, go Eagles. Still love being an Eagle. And uh, what's up with all the animals? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's another thing. I don't care. <laughs> it's better than that. a buckeye. I feel a like, buckeye. We, I feel like at Damascus, we need a, like a mascot. We do have a, a mass monkey. Uh, if you that, don't that's know. weird, though. We have a <laughs> monkey so mascot that's here so that okay. likes to educate children on the mass. It's very okay, good. Okay, back to topic. Um, <laughs> go Eagles. Go Eagles. No, no. I mean, Cougars. And so I got down there and... My fraternity, my fraternity, excuse me, I was in a fraternity, the, the Newman Center, St. Thomas More Catholic Student Center is right there on Greek Row. So it's about a 10,000 square foot facility, and there's a fraternity on the right, and the fraternity on the left, and mm. a fraternity behind me, and a, a fraternity before me. And when I used to be able to throw a football far, I could throw uh, a football to about four bars. Yeah. So that's the culture. <laughs> 1,500 awesome. students every day walk right past uh, my facility. Huh. I knew absolutely specifically what the mission was. It was pretty basic. It was to re uh, revive this whole culture um, at the center. I'm a really big believer, you guys, of is that we as a church, a building means something. Yeah, it's not just something to hold something in. I mean, if you guys who are listening to this could see this really cool studio, and if you're on campus at Damascus camps. I mean, it's spectacular because, you know, the outside is a great indicator of what's going on on the inside. If there's disorder yeah. on the outside, more than likely there's some disorder on the inside. So we began to clean it up and revive it. And, and all I knew is, like, we were going to start bringing people into this. And, and Pope Francis talks about the, the, the field hospital. Well, mm. I love that. But I, I, I was sharing with Dan earlier this week that I think the vision I've got for – the center itself, it has a chapel that holds 250. We're re doing a lot of cool new reviving uh, as far as the interior. But I really see it as almost a, a washing machine. <laughs> you know, 
most men, I don't know about you guys, some are more uh, anal retentive about it than others, but most men just take all their laundry and they just throw it in. They don't sort it. They don't sort the whites. They just like, I just got to get yeah, this I have done. I no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, you just throw it in. And Aaron, I bet you sort. You're yeah, a sorter. So that, you know? Aaron, be honest. You probably like fold socks and things too, <laughs> don't you? We have, a, we, have a nice, we have a nice washer that can handle colors and whites at the same time. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. There you go. This, the washing machine <laughs> sorts it itself. Wow, that's impressive. There's arms in there. Yeah. No, you are <laughs> Robot bad. washer. It, it makes, well, Father, you probably haven't experienced this, but it makes it more difficult when you have multiple children as well. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, we just thanks. have one color. It's the color mud in my house. Yes. It's just like nasty clothes. I have multiple in. colors. Mm. I have dark black, light black, <laughs> and less black. Okay. Okay. So we're diverging. Oh, my white color. So got it. my vision really was, and 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 you know, I want you. I pray into everything, but it was just this basic understanding that the core identity of everyone is about. Um, who they are and what they're going to become. And what is society saying that a young person should become? So the idea of this washing machine, that there's all kinds of students. You know, when Jesus Christ walked the lands, what was one of the things they were like, you're talking to what? You're talking to prostitutes and tax collectors. I mean, he had this mega, huge washing machine that he just mm. kept throwing people in. He said, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. I can, and so it's just like, and what does grace do? It's that eternal friendship that just keeps washing and washing and washing through the power of the sacraments. And so we just began. I had uh, one staff person and a secretary, and I said to my brand new uh, shout out to you, Brendan McCauley, who is this young, up and coming theologian, uh, got his master's in the TOB, Theology of the Body. And I said, we're just going to preach Theology of the Body. Hmm. We're just going to go for it. And we did. And I said, we're not doing any small groups because we're all like isolated with COVID. We're going to have one big group. And it was exciting to see what began to happen. Bit by bit, more and more students began to arrive because they were so hungry for authentic. The word is authentic community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not just, I want to hang out, but it's that authentic, authenticity. Authenticity? Authenticity? Authenticity. Okay, that's one of those words I wasn't good at. And <laughs> one of them? I got hundreds. You should, never uh-huh. mind. That's another podcast. Many words by Father Paul Herrick that make no sense, <laughs> but he thinks they do. Um, and so we just, the two of us began just to go out and Greek row and knock on doors. Hey, we want you to come to this seminar mm-hmm. on Theology of the Body. We did one that was amazing. It was called yeah. Ribs and Sex. You come to this uh, event, you get... <laughs> you got ribs. You got ribs. <laughs> and then uh, we talked to them about human sexuality. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they had to listen to the talk first. And 50 Greek students came and they That's look neat. at us and here's this <clears throat> 25-year-old young man hmm. who stood up there and just talked to them about what they were created for. Yeah. That's amazing. So what do you find, Father, is the greatest challenge you're facing right now in the young people's lives at the campuses? You know, I, I don't – I get that question a lot, Dan, and I, I think it's the same. The challenge, I think, is authentic relationships. Yeah. I think that they're so hungry for um, love. Yeah. And they just want it. I'll never forget at after Ash Wednesday preaching and talking about repentance and 
this young man come to my office and said, can I talk to you, Father? I said, sure. And I said, what's up, buddy? He goes, Father, I want to ask you a hard question. He goes, I have sex four to five times a week. And I've done it for the last five years. Do you think I'll be able to be faithful to my wife and my children? Hmm. And I said, young man, I don't. But I believe that Jesus Christ and through the power of the sacrament of reconciliation can begin to bring you back. And I'll, I'll walk to hell and back with you. And he goes, really? I'm like, but it's not going to be easy. And you know what? He had a great confession and he experienced a lot of grace, but ultimately he walked away hmm. because he knew that more than the other. And I think the greatest challenge on campuses today, I mean, I'm 55. What's the difference between when I was 18? You know, the drugs are a little more sophisticated. I think they drink more Bush beer than anyone else in the world. Why Bush <laughs> beer anyway? They drink tons of it. Yeah. I think the issue more than anything today is that the culture is winning. And I would say that what they're experiencing is this inundation of this is what's normal and this is the best it's ever going to get. They're all going to be successful. I say to every college student, I say, you know what? You're going to get a degree. You're going to get a job. You're going to make a lot of money. And then what? The yeah. question is, <laughs> then what? Then what? And then what? Yep. I make a lot of money. I'm gonna, and then what? It's that deeper issue. You know, what is, what is uh, uh, Augustine? Huh? Our hearts are restless till they what? Rest in thee. Yep. There's no rest on campuses. Mm. It's a frenetic. And I even see it in the church world. There's this freneticness of just go, 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 go. You know, um, we've got to teach young people to be silent, to so, be quiet. Aaron, how do you think we foster authentic relationships in young adults' lives now? Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about that. So you're, the, even the image of, of the Newman Center in the midst of, in the midst of campus is, is neat that, that we've got a witness to the light and the darkness, right? Um, I, was, I was speaking to our high school students this, yeah. this summer at camp that oftentimes looking at the story of the wedding of Cana, mm -hmm. right? That, um, of course, the, the steward in the story of the wedding in Cana in John chapter two, he says that most, most hosts will serve the good wine first, and then when the good wines run out, they'll serve a lesser wine. And in the, in the, in the parallel that we draw, it's like that our, our often, often our experience is that we, that we, we come in with these amazing dreams and aspirations, right? We, we come in um, hungry for a desire of, of right relationship. And then at some point, at some point the wine runs out, at some point we run out and, and we start to settle for, for what's lesser. And I, I feel like that's, that's kind of a snapshot of, of the culture that, that we're, that we're in right now, that there's this, um, that we, we've just become satisfied. We've become mm -hmm. satisfied with lesser wines. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, that's Bush beer. Uh, yeah, I'll take the Bush beer, right? <laughs> yeah. Or well, the Natty Light, actually. <laughs> so, so, so the question, the question that, so watered down. And, and the example that we see in that gospel story is, is that, uh, you know, the question I ask our students is, what is the surest way to know that what you're tasting is not authentic? Well, it's to taste authenticity. Mm -hmm. It's to taste the real thing, yeah. right? You see in the story when the steward tastes the good wine, he's, he, he just makes this exclamation of joy. Mm. That, that, but, but you, in your, in your generosity, right, have, have saved the good wine until yeah. now. Which so, is one of the biggest 
like crises in the church is so many people haven't tasted the real thing. Yeah. They, they have, they, they, they don't know that they're living for a counterfeit because yeah. almost to some extent, we don't have enough examples or enough access to yes. the good wine. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, right. Where is it? I was sharing the other day that I'm just, sometimes I'm so frustrated that it's like, if I want someone to encounter the power uh, of the Holy Spirit, I feel like I have to like recommend that they just go to a certain retreat. Oh, it was you and I were talking, right? That it could just be frustrating. That's like if you get to this retreat or you yeah. get to that experience, yeah. and it's like how do we make that more accessible that everyone can experience the new wine? Yes, know? because they just they don't know the they don't know the better portion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean um, so your question is, where can young adults? How can young adults find authenticity in relationship? Yeah. Well, I think it's, I think it's, you've, you've got to find where it's mon- modeled. Yes. Right. I mean, I, I, I looked at so, so many times at weddings. Right. I'll go to a wedding of a, of a young adult. I was at, a, I was at a wedding of one of our youth group kids a couple months ago, and, um, it, you know, just beautiful celebration. All these young people and, and. Uh, I, I always, I always love that moment where we, where we do the anniversary dance. Right. And, uh, inevitably grandma and grandpa are the last person standing, standing on the, on the dance floor. And it's just like, everybody stands in applause and, and, um, affirmation of Mm -hmm. this relationship of 68 years or whatever, whatever it is. And, um, I, I feel like there's like, it's so clear to us that, hey, in, even in the midst of a messed up world, I know that that relationship that mm-hmm. my grandparents have or, or whomever it is, that that, that that is one that's worthy of emulation. That's one that's mm-hmm. worthy of diving into. But have I ever actually gone and sat down with grandma and grandpa and asked, how'd you do this? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I know I haven't. Uh-huh. Um, how, you, how, did you, how did you witness the love in this way so, um, so strongly? I mean, I, I know... Mm. I'm trying to answer that question for our kids, right? That, that mm-hmm. Monica and I, as we're, as we're raising our kiddos, we're, like we're, we're not shy about engaging in conversation about relationships because mm-hmm. we want authenticity to be something that we're, that we're measured by. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, there's a quote I use um, quite a bit and it's this, you're older a lot longer than you're younger, <laughs> but your youth will define how you're going to grow older. Uh-huh. Why am I committed to working with young people? People are like, well, father, when are you going to, when are you going to go and, you know, you're going to move beyond that phase? Uh-huh. I'm like, I hope never. Yeah. I still hope at, at 85, if I'm on a walker, I, I could be somewhere and I can still be relevant to the heart of a young person. And I think why what we are doing, Damascus, SPO, Focus, Campus Ministry, you just, you name it. The more that we infiltrate, and I, I'm not a military guy. But mm-hmm. I like the word. Sometimes you just have to go into the field, and that's what WSU yeah. is. What's my sweet spot? If you ask what's the worst thing Father Paul Herrick does is, I'm a terrible Bible study leader. Small group, <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's open to Ephesians and look at chapter 5. Uh-huh. Okay, love Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know if I could tell you what right off, but I, I've read it. <laughs> and But what do I want to do? Yeah. Hey, guys, Theta Chi, Father Paul Herrick here. Hi, Father. What's up? Hey, I just want to call and say hi, and I, I, I wanted to know you're welcome here. Anytime you need me, would you let me know? Thanks, Father. You know what? Two weeks, 20 of them came over. Mm-hmm. They made me an honorary Theta Chi. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, you know what, Father? The very fact that you knocked on the door. Yeah. We've got to go where they're at. The days yeah. mm. that we're waiting for people to come to us are 
over. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. When we talk about being missionary disciples, you know what? It's already an overdone statement. Missionary discipleship is messy. It's dirty. Yeah, it's, it's in the streets. It's in the streets. And it's in the pews. Yeah. It's in the pews. They're there. They're there. Yeah. And you know what? They they desire freedom, but sometimes we just have to speak to the heart of it. And I think at WSU, what we're trying to do is really begin to create a model that isn't so generic, but really specific about launching, evangelizing, discipling, and then mm-hmm. launching. I, I am committed. One reason why I'm here at Damascus um, is I like it being here. You get to play paintball. I get to play paintball. <laughs> but I like the fact that I've got to know this community, and if I oh. could send 20 of my young men and women post-grad to here to serve for two years, yeah, do it. I don't care what kind of work you do, and praise God for those who go right in the work world, but you know what? It's harder. Because I think, you know, you're so busy in college. The freneticness of college students. I father, father, I can't. I'm busy. I'm busy. You know what the root word of busy? Ooh, there's a word. It's called sin. I think. Wait. Is, business. <laughs> is that right? Is that, is that right? That, sounds, that makes sense. Yeah, business. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm busy. If I said, you want to, I can't. I, I'm busy. I'm like, what do I want to do? I'm really busy. I'm like, what do you mean you're busy? You're 19. <laughs> well, I got things to do. Like what? Uh, well, I've got a paper. I'm like, you're going to write that paper the night before. Just give me a break. Uh-huh. And so I, I would say that <laughs> at 11 p.m. at 11 p.m. Yeah. and your class ministry is at night seven. will be done by 10:30. You're yeah. in good shape. You're in good shape. <laughs> but I think we are so frenetic, and I think I think as we move forward in evangelization efforts, mm. we have got to always pause and recognize. You know, Jesus was so good at. Stopping. What did we read this past Sunday? He stopped when the woman with the, with the, 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 the hemorrhages, the hemorrhages of blood. Yep. He didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And what did he say? He was on to heal Jars' daughter. He goes, "Who, who, who touched me? Yep. What, did, what do you mean, who touched me?" Mm-hmm. He cared enough about mm. her to stop and to press in and said, "Who did that? I got to meet her." Yeah. It's not always about the bigness, the big crowds or the big conferences. It's about the individual souls and it takes one soul at a time. Mm. And I believe fundamentally that's the heart of all missionaries is one at a time. Mm-hmm. And then as we grow and we grow, we just do all if we just do our job yeah, or as, yeah. as baptized believers, as confirmed Catholics to be sent. Yeah. So that's, That's awesome. awesome. I love it. Jesus was a street evangelist. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> so, I mean, that was his primary mission was street evangelization. And I think... Speaking of the, pauses and stopping, mm, we probably should take a quick radio break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, friends. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks for joining us on St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We'll be right back after this short radio break. She is one of the most beloved saints of all time. Honored as the Saint of the Little Way. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. Saint Therese of Lisieux entered the Carmelite convent of Lisieux in 1888 and survived only nine more years. Still, her extraordinary holiness and prayer life prompted her superiors to have her write an autobiography, The Story of a Soul. It became a spiritual classic. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. The power of prayer 
depends on God's action, not on our praying. The Holy Spirit prays within us with groanings too deep for words, as Romans 8 says. And He empowers us to seek God and to seek from Him all that we need. And the answer to prayers are always from God in order to worship Him. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, thanks for joining us today on St. Gabriel Radio, EWTN Radio, or with the Beyond Damascus podcast. We're here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio, it is Dan, so illustrious, and myself, and Father Paul Herrick. Thank you again for joining. You're welcome. Uh, first segment of the show. If you didn't catch it, listen to it again. Catch it on the podcast. But we've really been talking about kind of some of the um, uh, general experience of evangelization, particularly to university age students. And I, I just want to draw us back again. It's it's you know, there's a couple of themes that I that I hear coming out. The first is that we've got to be present. We've got to be ready to encounter the individual, and we've right. got to be able to witness to something authentic. Right. Right? That, that our work of evangelization, it's not—we haven't been tasked with creating some kind of a show. Right. Uh, we haven't been tasked with being anything other than who it is that God's called us to be. But when we live our lives, whether that's as a priest on campus, whether that's as a executive director of a, of a youth— ministry organization, whether right. that's as a parent, whether that's as a coworker, whether that's as a sports team member, right? That each of our encounters with an individual, like we, we get an opportunity to witness yes. to that life transformed. Yeah. I, I was, I'll, I'll refer back to that, that teaching that I, I offered to our high school students this summer that um, yeah. in the story of the wedding of Cana, uh, not only are we the ones that have our emptiness filled but we are the ones who, too, are transformed. When our lives are transformed, when we allow Jesus to touch us and to mm-hmm. change the water of our soul, of our heart mm-hmm. into wine, right? That we now have the opportunity to allow somebody else to, to taste authenticity and to hunger after it. You know, you, I was there at that talk, and I was like, I never heard that. When you said that he took the water— Explain that. He took the water that people washed their hands? Is yeah, that right so, so the, the, the vessels of purification. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is a hand-washing vessel. I'm not, I'm not sure if the water went back in dirty or not, but yeah. uh, it, was, it was meant for washing your hands when That's you walked it. in the door. Okay. That's pretty amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't used machine. water. It was the, the early wash- washing machine, machine Father. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. So I love that. So the, the, the new wine is is us. Yeah. A, when we're transformed, people get to taste and see the goodness of the Lord uh-huh. through our lifestyle. Well, and, and I wasn't planning on talking about the new one, but if you're gonna if you're gonna make me talk, mm. I mean uh, <laughs> the, the, one of the cool connections that we drew is in the in the ancient Israel, like there was a, there was an expectation that when you, when you offered someone hospitality, that they have an obligation then to offer you the same. Mm. And, uh, the, the, one of the neat connections as I was researching for this talk was that when, when Jesus showed up at that wedding in Cana, it set the bar to an impossible height mm-hmm. where no, nobody else could match or offer the same unless they invite Jesus into their wedding. Yes. Right. And in our lives too, you know, that, that's what I think, Dan, to answer the question you asked at the beginning of the last segment, like when, when, when we're trying to answer that question, how can I give someone a taste of authentic relationship? Well, yep. witness it, Yep. witness it for yourself and communicate that message that you can't have this apart from relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden that person will begin to be hungry. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I love that. There's nothing better than when someone sees 
in you what they've been longing for. Amen. Yeah, and then that's they, great. that's like, they just ask, like, yeah. <laughs> what do you have? Like, what, you seem what so do calm. I, what do You're I like, lack? You know, you know who you are. I remember um, a group of guys coming to a center and they were new and they met some of my veteran um, students who really were growing in their faith. And I was talking to those new guys. They said, what'd you think? They said, you know, Father, it's really hard because we're intimidated. I'm like, you're intimidated. Why? He goes, they're so confident. Hmm. They seem like they know who they are. They're self-assured. Yeah. But, and they're humble. They came up and said, hello, we're so glad you're here. Yeah. Well, that's what happened in life. That's what Jesus did. And it was just that self, self-assuredness that that our faith can just rise. And I think that's the beautiful part of Damascus here at, at, at camp is that these young missionaries, there's 200 of them, who, who just serve and love mm-hmm. and, and walk with other, some of them, their peers and, and, and counselors, and they're cooking and they're cleaning. They just are authentic. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the fruit of, I think the real fruit of any long-lasting ministry is authenticity. It just keeps getting better. It's like a good wine. I'm 55. I'm like a good wine. <laughs> no? No? Yeah, definitely. Taste and see. Taste yeah. and see. Or, or vinegar. Sometimes yeah. I'm vinegar. <laughs> so, Father, why don't you share the, your in- encounter with Jesus Christ? What, where did you first fall in love with the Lord? Um, you know, I was a typical Catholic kid, cradle Catholic, uh, one of seven, five boys, two girls. Nice. Um, a great family, amazing families uh, from Washington State, went to or the Washington State, not the university, um, over in Seattle mm-hmm. and parochial school. And uh, I was uh, hitting eighth grade and I was an altar server, I was sort of a goofy kid and uh, I have severe dyslexia. And uh, I, on the outside, it seemed like, hey, I was sort of the class clown. I was that guy. But inside, I just felt inferior. Mm-hmm. And man, eighth grade hit, and we had to get confirmed. And it was like, ugh, confirmation. Oh. <laughs> and we had to learn all these prayers. How bad was confirmation for me at times? We had to learn like three, four hundred prayers. I have no memory. Four hundred prayers? Well, I don't know. Come <laughs> yeah, on, it wow. felt like that. It felt like that. It felt three. like three. But I had to memorize them. You had to Learned write them out. And my best friend, you know, I cheated. <laughs> I'm, I'm copying him. Like, you cheated in Bible and, school? But, well, the hard part is I was such a bad student. And when I did cheat, the teacher would go, whatever, Herrick. You're a C student. You get an A. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I screwed up. So we had. But I cheated of my a, way through confirmation. Well, okay. yeah, it happens. Shh. It happens. Okay. Okay. I agree. Grace of the sacrifice. <laughs> it works. Okay. Um, and so, but we had a small group, and we had to do them in, in homes. And there was a woman by the name of Mrs. Tangan. Peg oh, Tangan. She is. I have no idea. You don't who she know who she is. Now, is. Well, but. let me tell you. <laughs> and Mrs. Tang was the single mom with three kids. And she said, you know what, guys, we're all going to go to the Seattle Center. If you, the Seattle Center of those people who are in, in the 60s, remember World, um, no, uh, not World Youth Day, um, what is it? NCYC? Uh, okay, I can't remember. It was the big fair they used to do. Uh, anyway, you guys are too you're young. Just, uh, you're that, you're that, it's, it's, new in the wine. 60s, it was <laughs> new wine. It was in Seattle. <laughs> new wine brain. A new wine. And, and it was in Seattle, <laughs> and it was the Space Needle. You all know the Space Needle. So oh, we yeah. went down there, and she goes, hey, guys, and there was like 10 of us. Five boys, five girls. We're going to go to the Space Needle, and we're going to go to the Seattle Center. We have to go to Mass. We're like, fine, we'll go to Mass. Well, Mrs. Tengen tricked us. 
She said, we went to the Seattle Center for an hour, and we went to a three-hour charismatic mass. <laughs> Those are the best kind of tricks. Best kind of tricks. And I'm like, are you Even no mass could be that hours. long. And I'm like, okay. So we're there, and I'm like, they're – you know, and they're just doing all these weird things. And the hardest part is I recognize some of these people. I was like, there's Mr. Jones. He's my dentist. And this is Mrs. Niskin. She lives down the street. And all these people who are raising their hands and singing these songs. And I'm like, well, okay. And, of course, what does an eighth grader do? They participate it or mock it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Well, I mocked it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, let's do this. And these goofballs. And I'm sitting there thinking. And Mrs. Tang had just endured us. Not, guys, just come on. It's not going to be long. Under, you know, who preaches for an hour? This guy did. Is that where you learned your preaching? Wow, that's hurtful. <laughs> hurtful. Wow. Okay, wrap it up. Anyway, so I ended up having, uh, at the end of it, we went out and um, had hot dogs or something afterwards. Yeah. We ate, and something happened to my heart. Huh. Mrs. Tangan said, Paul, what happened? I said, I don't know, Mrs. Tangan, but by the time we left, something was stirring. I remember the next day I woke up and I ended up um, reading my Bible. And for the next six months, Mrs. Tangan, after class, would spend time with me speaking truth into my heart. Mm-hmm. Well, in that time, Mrs. Tangan got cancer. Mm. And she has three kids and and. She spoke truth into this dyslexic kid who never thought he would amount to anything. And at that was that point that I knew I wanted to be a priest, but I thought, how am I ever going to do this? Confirmation came. Mrs. Tangan at that time was in the hospital. And um, I remember, and she said, Paul, when the archbishop lays his hands on you, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and something's going to transform you. And it was myself, Ted and Tracy, Mm -hmm. these three things. We caught the message. And... All of a sudden, Archbishop Penhausen, God rest his soul, anointed me and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I am not even exaggerating a little. I've been told I exaggerate sometimes. So this time I'm really not. <laughs> Something hit the top of my head. This is the old charismatic feeling. Uh-huh. The top of my head went to my heart and went to my feet. Yeah. And something radically changed in my life. Wow. That's how every confirmation should be. Everyone. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. We and, and you know what? I'm be really honest. I've had so many highs and so many lows in my life, and those people who know me well, like, yes, he has. But you know what? What I'm proud of at 55 years old, I am proud to say I still love Jesus Christ. Yeah. In my darkest times, I've never forgot the fact that. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the greatest honor of my life outside of being a priest is when I heard that I get to be Eucharistic minister at Mrs. Tangan's funeral. Mm -hmm. And it was a glorious day, as sad as it was. So I I just want to say to everyone, you don't need to be part of a Damascus ministry. You don't need to start a ministry. Just start with the person in front of you. Start with that that, that 13-year-old kid who's awkward and weird and has a low self-esteem because you can't write, read, or do anything. Yep. And just speak love into their heart. Yeah. That's... Pentecost. Mm-hmm. That's the charismatic renewal. That's where we have to return to. We have to stop programming Jesus. Mm-hmm. We got to just start giving him away and sharing him freely. Yeah. Well, she, she was alive in the Holy Spirit, clearly. And she was, it, I just love that because earlier, Aaron, you talked about 
we need to be we need to taste authenticity mm-hmm. before we know that it's the good wine, right? And it's yeah. a, it's like, oh, you went to that prayer with that mass, and it was almost like you saw the the good wine. You saw something right. that was authentic. Like, wow, these people are actually at mass worshiping Jesus, you know? And then that actually gave you an open heart to receive an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which right. I think sometimes, like, if we don't even know that the how the Holy Spirit works, it's almost like it, we can't give him permission to work in our own life. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. I love that. I, I think the one of the sad things is that I think so many people haven't seen the Holy Spirit alive, so they don't yeah. know what how to open their heart to a living Holy Spirit at, at their own Pentecost confirmation, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's why we, we, we talk a lot uh, here that, that every single one of us is called to be a full-time evangelist, right? We're, yes. we're, we, we are full-time ministers of the gospel. Yes. And uh, and that's as, as simple as it is, that's where it starts. Yeah. Yes. The... <laughs> the uh, the, it's just remind me of this because when we give people permission or when they see something happen and we through testimony and through yes. like that mass testified to you the presence of the Holy Spirit and then you were able to receive it like just last night we were sharing with the high schoolers about just testimony of healings mm-hmm. and there was a camper today who jammed up his elbow did you hear, did your mom tell you this story no I so just Aaron, I just got a text though. oh my gosh so Aaron's <laughs> mom is our nurse this week which is great and um, and this kid jams up his elbow really bad it's it's all bruised and they they're they're on their way to urgent care they think the elbow's broken there's bad bruising and Ouch. swelling they had prayed with them for healing before um, they left camp but the kid uh, was still clearly swollen bruised and in need of uh, x-rays and on their way to urgent care, all of a sudden the swelling and the bruising just disappears, yeah. and all the pain disappears from his elbow. And he's like, "Wait a second. And he starts in the back seat, just moving his arm all around. And he's like, "My elbow is perfectly fine." And that's amazing. it's just awesome. like the testimony of healing actually allows faith to be built in someone's life that they mm. believe God still works miracles, yes. right? A testimony yes. of seeing the yeah. Holy Spirit present and amassed in people's lives or in your teacher's life gives you permission to be open to receiving the Holy Spirit. And then 13-year-old Paul receives the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's so amazing. It was exciting. So what happens beyond Damascus? After you encountered the Holy Spirit, after you encountered um, your your confirmation, what what launched you into mission as a teenager? You know, it was really interesting. I went to high school, and uh, I knew I wanted something different. I was the the one child that went to Bible school. Bible study and youth group on a Friday night when other people were doing other things. Um, and I just had some really great people in the church. I think what we have to realize is I had good older adults. I'm going to say to every older adult here or listening. You're not talking to me. I'm not. Aaron. You're young. No. I have to say it. You're much younger than me. I'm going to say to every parishioner who's ever listened to this, if you have a young person from in high school or middle school there— would you just go up and say hi to them? Mm. At church? At church. Really? Can you imagine <laughs> that? Don't rush out. Don't rush <clears throat> yeah. out. Stay in. And, and, and I think for me what it was is, you know, let me just be really clear. I made some very bad mistakes in my life. I've made some really faux pas. But I, I just know for a fact that that point of someone speaking into my life— mm is why I'm a priest today. Yeah, That's where, from the point of conversion to the point of my ordination, someone kept saying, 
I believe in your vocation. I had a I had to struggle. I had to deal with some deep, deep pain in my heart, some deep rejection, a lot of things in my life. A great family, great, great family. My oldest brother's a priest, Father Bill Herrick. Um, love him a lot. He's a big mentor in my life. And he just said, kept speaking truth into my life. But I never lost the desire to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think in the in the end of the day, we always have to be careful that the big part of it is that Jesus changes lives, you know, one day at a time, every day, but is is in the confines of a community, of a faith community. And two, we have to be careful is that we have, well, let me say this. I believe we've got to get people on mission quicker than they are, should be even. Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. I just think we, 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 <clears throat> I always say this to missionaries I've worked with, it's like, hey, you're overpouring. Stop overpouring into that kid, mm-hmm. okay? If he prays five minutes a day and he's coming to Mass once a week, that's great. Get him out doing something. Yes. You know? Start getting him to do yes. something so that they can be like, you know, because we all fall. We all, you know, we're always trying to work on ourselves. Oh, boy, I just, I, I'm, I exhaust myself on an hourly basis. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to do something for someone. I, I love that. I think mission is is what makes us holy. Yeah. And so often we say, I got to get holy before I go on mission. Oh, and boy. it's like, no, no, like, like it's it's both and. Yeah, right. right. You got you to show God that you're willing to, you're willing to pour it out to, sh- to show that you're ready to receive. Yeah. And, and so often when I give myself, then I'm challenged and I, all of a sudden I become dependent on Jesus so that I can give myself better. And that dependency on Jesus like unites me to him. And, <laughs> and it's, it's so awesome. I love the idea when you see a young person at church, go up and talk to them. I, I have so many, like, uh, I, I, when I was a, um, a director of religious ed and youth ministry, I needed for all of our religious ed classes and youth ministry programs, I needed about 150 to 175 uh, volunteers. Oh it's hard boy. to find that many volunteers. That's right. And people were always like, I can't find enough competent volunteers. <laughs> I would. So what I would do is I'd just sit in the back of church on daily mass, and I would look at who received the Eucharist with deep devotion. Wow. I'd go and introduce myself to them after mass and get to know them and invite them, like, hey, let's go out and get to know each other and see if they should go on mission. And it's so amazing. Like, wow. so many of the people I found was just from they didn't come to me like hey i want to volunteer right, right. like that does, no i found i saw that they like you love the lord now yes. let's invite you into mission mm. work for the lord and like those were my best volunteers mm. right because beautiful. they just had no one had ever said i need i need your help right beautiful partner with me that's awesome um you're listening to beyond damascus uh the show where encounter meets mission we're gonna take a brief break and when we come back Uh, We'll dive deeper into this call on how to invite people into a life of mission. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. Yeah, at first I love the show, um, but I just wanted to call to encourage that previous caller who had called about the Latin Mass and just encourage him to keep giving it a try and especially try to meet some folks off doors and let his wife meet some people and, and that does make that experience so much better. And thank you for your historical background and it was a good interpretation of the history. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. 
Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with program info, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. Just go to EWTN.com slash wings. Fill out your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. When you get yours, send it to all your friends, and they can send it to their friends. And pretty soon, we're covering the whole world with the good news about EWTN. Wings, the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. This is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Aaron, this has been an awesome show. Yeah, man. We're talking about relationship. We're talking about evangelization, especially on campus. And uh, once again, kind of to wrap up, so this is our third segment. If you want to catch the previous two, uh, first of all, we've heard an amazing testimony from Father Paul Herrick, as well as just a witness to the, the work that you're doing uh, on campus in Washington, and uh, I, I think for me, how I'm how I'm summing things up in my own head is is just it boils down to this: every one of our hearts is is hungry, mm. is is desiring authenticity in relationship. Mm-hmm. That yeah. authenticity in relationship with with Jesus ultimately, and where do we see that on display? Well, we, you know, we are God's hands and feet. Um, we are we are the face of Jesus in the world, mm. and and I think it's a if if you are hungry, friends, for a greater encounter with the person of Jesus, you, you need to seek that out mm-hmm. in authentic relationship. And likewise, if you know people who are our common Christian call is is to witness to authenticity and relationship with others. You know, Father Paul, I, you mentioned at the at the end of the last segment that 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 call to to people in the parish that hey, one of the most impactful things you can do is just is say hello, right is introduce yourself like you know um god forbid that we grow up in parishes where we where we feel isolated in the midst of you know, in it, the midst of community i told the story about peg and you know what she was probably i thought she was a lot older than she was but she was only 42 when she died yeah eighth graders we loved being at mrs tangan's house that's mm-hmm. awesome and we're like, what do you do tonight? Well, we could go biking, we could go play, or we could go to Mrs. Tangan's house. And it wasn't just for food, even though she made great the food. Hot pockets. The hot, wow, hot <laughs> pockets. You're dating me. Everyone oh, she, wants hot pockets. Okay, okay. And she would just, you know what? She just would love us and pour into us. Yeah, and yeah. we, you know, say not you're too young. Is yeah. you know, people, young people are dying to be um, spoken to. They yeah. can handle it. Yeah, I remember one of the most. Uh, I, I had a dramatic change in my experience of my spiritual life when I was in uh, middle middle school, high school, junior mm-hmm. high, eighth grade, and uh, it, it boiled down to an awesome teacher who poured out into me. Mm. And I remember, um, you know, I remember my my parents one time asking me, "What is it about? What is it about your relationship with Mister Kazmarek? That was his name. That that it, you know has has energized you so well." And I remember in the in all of the emotional maturity of an eighth grade student, uh, think uh, communicated to my mom and dad that he treats me like an adult, mm. right? He treats me like a person. Mm. He, um, and he was awesome. He was a great teacher. He uh, he he taught us algebra. He taught us how to play lacrosse. And he just invested huh. in his students and and loved his students well. Uh-huh. Um, and and what a witness that 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 can have. Whether you're a whether you're a teacher, whether you're a parishioner sitting in the pews, right? That right. that when we when we actually engage in the process of realizing that hey we're called in this for the sake of relationship yeah right 
we're, we're called to to witness to the good that God's mm. doing in our life mm-hmm. and to witness to, to to the gold that we see in others. Mm. And sometimes that's all it takes mm-hmm. to, yeah. to truly transform somebody's life. So it mm. sounds like, Aaron, you're saying, if you're hungry for that, yeah, seek it out. Yeah, thanks for pulling it together. <laughs> seek it out. <laughs> And witness to it, right? Amen. And I think yeah. that's that is ultimately like seek out Christians, seek out greater environments where you're gonna grow. Like I I wanna see the new wine. I wanna see it on people's lives, I wanna see it in communities, I wanna see it in movements, I wanna seek it out more yeah. so that I, I can drink more deeply of that new wine. Yeah. Right. So, so to Father's and point earlier, like I can witness to it's it. It's not all about it's not all about Damascus, but shoot, yeah. if 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 you're not finding something that's lighting you on fire. Then go, go find, it. go, go to yeah. Damascus. Yeah, <laughs> I had a, a, I was on a retreat, and this brother, he's now gone, but he's. I said, you know, how do I keep this going? He goes, go follow the fire. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that might mean moving. Now, I'm not saying you should do that. The fire could be, in, you know, you could be the next Mr. Tangan or Mrs. Tangan. Yeah, you could be the school teacher. It could be any. It could be if you're a coach. You know, you think about. I think it's parents, teachers, and coaches. If you are a Catholic coach, there's a Christian coach. Every insecurity in the world comes out in athletes, <laughs> good or bad. And I want you to know that coaches can make a huge oh, difference absolutely. or define them. Uh-huh. I never played football again because the coach said, you know, you can't get to practice, then you're not worthy to be here. I'm like, dude, I have to walk like three miles. And that's when you really had to walk three miles. And I quit. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it devastated me. And so I think we can never underestimate the power. Jesus... Jesus met with the multitudes, the crowds, 72, uh, the 12, Peter, James, and John. Okay, yeah, that's the scenario, the all over the place. But ultimately, he met with the one, mm, yeah. one at a time. He said to Peter, James, and John, what are you looking for? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Over okay, and I'm over and over, preachy, and over again. Folks, so. yeah. <laughs> over and over. Wow. I like how you said follow the fire, right? Follow yeah. the fire. Well, if, if you're a log that feels a little burnt out right now, what's the best way to catch that log back on fire, stick it in a bonfire, right? Yeah, like yeah. if it, if, and so like follow the fire, find it and let mm. that fire. And then when you get ablazed again and you go back into your sphere of influence, at least you're burning when yeah. you're back in your sphere of influence. Yeah. It's, it's the burning ones that are going to attract people. Yeah. Right. And so if you're burnt out and you're a coach, if you're a burnout coach, you're, it's going to be really <laughs> hard for you to give. But if you're a coach that's been set on fire and you're sharing that fire with others, boom, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a mom, a dad, whatever it is, like, just get yourself in those places that set yeah. you on fire and then go and witness to that Amen. wherever your sphere of influence is. Amen. Well, let's uh, let's pray for that. I, okay. I think, you know, we can talk about it all day, um, but we really want, we have, a, we have a high value here on ending each show with um, with really interceding for our community mm-hmm. that, that, that that life would be, would be lived out in us. Um, so we're going to pray uh, now. Find find yourself in a good, safe place if you're driving. Keep your eyes open. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, we know that we need to seek you. God, we know that we're never going to be satisfied mm-hmm. without an experience of authenticity. So, Jesus, right now, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit yes. into our lives, that you would fill us with that fire, God. Mm-hmm. And if uh, if if you have a plan for us, Lord, to be able to plug in with a community that will promise us, that will provide that experience of authenticity, I pray that you would just you would align our path so that we could find that clearly. Mm. Jesus, I'm so I'm so grateful right now for all of the young mm-hmm. adults, for the 200 young adults who are serving on mission here at Damascus, mm-hmm. who you've brought from all walks of life, for all corners of our of our nation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
to, to, to give their lives on mission here. What you've done here, you don't want to stay here. What, what you've done here, you don't want to just be a witness mm-hmm. to those, uh, those people who call themselves professional ministers of the gospel. But mm-hmm. God, I pray that the fire that you've poured out on the missionaries of Damascus, Jesus today would be available for mm-hmm. everyone who listens to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, give our hearts just a readiness to receive. Yeah, I'm getting a sense just the the <clears throat> testimony that Father Paul shared earlier of his confirmation the Lord wants to do in some of our listeners' lives yeah. right now, that the Holy Spirit just wants to come and touch you from the head down into your heart and into your legs. The Lord just wants to send his fire upon you right now. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now mm. to enter the bodies, the minds, the hearts of our listeners. Come Holy Spirit, just yes. touch them right now with your power. Touch them right now with your fire. Touch him right now with your presence. Mm. I just pray the presence of God to fall from heaven and to anoint people's bodies right now Mm -hmm. in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, you are, uh, listeners, you're just the temple. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, I I pray that you would come alive, wake up inside of uh, our listeners' bodies right now, wake up inside of their hearts and their minds, wake up inside of their their lives, that you would just be... um, so alive that you shine and you burn and you witness through them, Lord. Thank yeah. you, Jesus, mm. more, Lord. More. You got to speak to that gift of courage, that gift of the Spirit that mm-hmm. allows us to to transform mm-hmm. um, inspiration mm-hmm. into action, mm-hmm. conviction into action. Mm. So, Lord, I pray that as you touch our hearts today, that you'd begin even now painting a picture for us of, of what are our next steps yeah. mm-hmm. in saying yes to you. Jesus, who is it that you want us mm-hmm. to invite into this? Yep. That's what mm-hmm. into this process, Father. I I want to pray for um, every um, parent, mm-hmm. every one of you parents who are listening right now, and you're like, "Where did I go wrong? I did all the things I thought I was supposed to do, and my kids have walked away from the faith." Mm-hmm. I just ask, Lord, that any any places of shame, any places of what did I do wrong, it's that you would give them complete peace. I just speak to all the mothers and the fathers out there who thought, well, I sent Mm -hmm. them to Catholic schools and I sent them to, and they seem to walk away. Mm. Father, I just ask that any guilt that they feel, that you would speak to that place in their heart that says, good job. In the end of the day, Lord, we all know that it's about what? Mm -hmm. A choice that Mm. we all have to make. I also pray for every young, uh, man and woman out there, especially those who will be starting college this fall. We pray for every college campus in the United States and throughout mm-hmm. the world that we know, Father, that these next four years will be such a defining moment and that the work of the evil one is to to um, counterfeit what truth is around despair, around loneliness, around the party culture. And I just ask that you uh, bridge the gap, yeah. that you would send people Whatever it might be, it, with the campus director, the chaplain, um, use all the ministries who work with college students in high school ministry and just increase their their fold. Lord God, we, we pray that the Lord would protect the hearts of all young people mm-hmm. uh, and their families and their parents, that they uh, recognize that they don't have to settle. Amen. That they don't have to settle for. Mm. Amen. We pray it all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for listening to today's show. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I hope guys. that God's placed a new fire in you to be able to seek out authenticity and to witness to it for yourselves. 
Once again, thanks to St. Gabriel and EWTN for carrying today's show. Uh, Check us out on the podcast, wherever podcasts are found. Beyond Damascus, we'll catch you up next week. God bless. God bless.